Today is March 3rd. It's a Friday, and the year is 2023, and we welcome you again to our Chapter 49 podcast, at least in central Indiana. It, uh, the bad news is it's windy, and it's raining, and it's cool. The good news is it's not snowing. So welcome uh, back to our Chapter 49 podcast. We're very, very happy uh, that you have chosen to join us again. We know your time is valuable, and we thank you for sharing a little of your day with with us, or your week in some cases. Duncan Giles, our chapter president for Chapter 49, welcome back. Thanks, Larry. It's always good to be here. And we, uh, of course, I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49. I handle uh, communications issues and uh, this this podcast is is again an issue. If you see, I always try to let people know every few podcasts. I not only host the podcast and bring Duncan in, I'm also producing the podcast, which means I have to have my hands and eyes looking in different places. It's not that I'm paying attention, not paying attention, folks. I just have too many things going on at one time. For a guy my age, this is this is a juggling act that is not easy to do. So with that in mind, we have a lot of issues to talk about today. The first one that we will talk about today uh, is something that happens every year. It hasn't happened in person for a few years because of COVID. We're talking about the annual legislative conference that happens in Washington, D.C., where chapters uh, send people from all around the country. They speak to their senators, their members of the House of Representatives, and present the issues that are important to NTU and you as an, an IRS employee. So, Duncan, uh, I, any word on how things went this year? Uh, you know, I think it was good for everybody to be back in person, uh, to be able to talk to the staff of the congressional offices about the issues that are important, you know, pay, making sure our benefits are uh still good, making sure that the Schedule F doesn't come up again, those those types of things. And it's very important that, you know, we do reach out, whether it's at legislative conference or, you know, talking to the contacting the staff or emailing or whatever. And that's individual members, their families, things of that nature on things that are important. You know, if you're if you're wanting a higher pay raise, Congress is the one who does it, and you know your voice needs to be heard. So I always tell people to be feel free to contact your representative or your senator on your own time, not on government equipment, uh, and let them know that you know inflation is taking quite a bit of a chunk out of your paycheck, and we need a higher raise. Things of that nature. And there are other issues of importance too, but that is no, almost always at the near or top of the list whenever uh, NT people go around and fan out around Capitol Hill. I have been to many legislative conferences representing NTEU and have always been honored to do that. It is quite an honor to be there, walk those halls of Congress and talk to, in most, most, most cases you're talking to the staff, but every now and then you get to meet a senator or a member of the House. I've spoken with uh, Trade Hollingsworth, uh, Todd Young, when he was in the House, I spoke with uh, Larry Bouchon from Southwest Indiana. Uh, so every now and then, a, a member of Congress or the Senate will take time to actually talk to the NTU representative. But for the most part, just speaking with the staff, and the staff always briefs the member uh, 
about what's going on. So it's it's a very important thing, and it's it's important that people uh, who are representing us in Washington know at least some of their constituents feel about some very important issues. But you know, Duncan, I can remember back in the days when I was uh, union vice president, when I was uh, when I was just when I was a steward or, or working on legislative issues, I would have people call call me or just talk to me and say, "Why isn't Chapter Forty Nine doing more? We're getting beat up in the Congress. We need to talk to our representatives, our senators. You know, our, what are we doing?" And I always come back with this retort: We need a legislative committee and someone to head up that legislative committee to be at the chair. And uh, the thing that people need to remember about that is because of the rules that apply to government time, even if you're a union rep, there's something called bank time and official time you can use to do your union work. But legislative work is not included there. Therefore, anything you do on legislative duties would have to be after before work weekends. It It cannot be in work hours. So it does require people who volunteer to do the legislative work to take time, their own personal time, to do that outside of work. But it's very important work. I know we don't have a legislative committee right now because, uh, you know, it is very difficult to recruit people to spend that time. Everybody's time is valuable. But if you value uh, the NTU Chapter 49 relationship with our elected officials, um, and many chapters have legislative uh, Committees, if you're interested, contact Duncan Charles. I have been on the uh, legislative committee when we had one for a period of time, but it tends to kind of fall apart after a while because people just have things going on in their personal life, and it's it's hard to uh, commit to that. But Duncan, I would say uh, it's some of the most valuable and productive work I've done, even though it is difficult to do that outside of work hours. So I know you would certainly be open to anybody who would be willing to head up and and, and form a a legislative committee for Chapter 49. Yeah, we've had a lot of fits and starts in this kind of thing. Um, As you say, it it takes an awful lot of uh, personal time to be able to do this. So that's that's a main drag for a lot of people because once they go home, they just want to be um, you know, not disturb, not think about work or work issues or things of that nature. But as you said, the work is very rewarding. Uh, it's tough work. Um, you don't always have a receptive audience. They're polite. They're not going to bite your head off or anything like that. But it's it's an uphill battle a lot of times, too. But we're not talking about political parties. It doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat. We want to talk to everybody to let them know about what issues are important to NTU members, you yeah. know, all the issues that are important to us. And I never. So, have. yeah, if, if you have an interest locally or across the country, talk to your chapter uh, and see what they can do to uh, let you help. Yeah, we're on Zoom, so sometimes it's hard to know when somebody's done. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I would say I've, I've spoken to members of Congress and the Senate who are sometimes with us, sometimes not. I've never had an argument with a member of their staff or with an elected official. I have given our point of view, and if they ask questions, I always try to have an answer for them. And I've had questions, trust me, about these things. But uh, I, I do want to encourage people, if you have an interest in this area and are willing to spend some of your own time to do it, legislative work is very rewarding. And that would go for anybody in the country. Many chapters already have a legislative committee, and I don't know of any chapter that can't you know, use another 
volunteer on the existing legislative committee. (laughs) And Chapter 49, uh, we would certainly welcome anybody who wants to take that on. But uh, going to the legislative conference is quite an honor. It's a lot of hard work. But every time I left Washington, even when I got on the airplane, I knew even though I was tired, I had accomplished a great deal. So legislative conference has just ended in Washington, D.C. I know our national president, Tony Reardon, uh, had some news briefings for some of the news media to try to talk about what's going on. And we'll talk about some of those things as we move along. One thing that's very important to people working at IRS is our new commissioner. We have an acting commissioner at the moment. Uh, Our new commissioner, of course, was uh, nominated last year. His name is Danny Werfel. He has now uh, been before the Senate Finance Committee, and uh, they have testified before, and they've had hearings, and uh, the committee has, on a bipartisan basis, passed and was recommended there uh, passed his uh, nomination with a recommendation that he be nominated it's expected you never know about these things when you talked about a senate schedule because they take their time on everything but it looks now as if mr werfel will be voted on and confirmed sometime later on this month it's always better to have a confirmed commissioner than not to have one correct duncan absolutely yeah we especially right now with the influx of money that we've gotten, it would be nice to have somebody permanent at the helm who can sit there and give some guidance or input as to where exactly they see it, because they're going to be the head of this ship for the next five years. So we want them to be able to, you know, before we roll out any plans, want them to be able to have their input, their thoughts, uh, where they think it needs to go to try and make us improve in things like customer service, technology, getting enough folks to, uh, you know, audit folks who need to be audited and collect the taxes that should be collected. So hopefully uh, the Senate will vote sometime in March and could be later, but we're hoping it'll get in the next couple of weeks uh, and we'll be able to have a confirmed commissioner. I want to go back to one thing you mentioned uh, in a previous podcast, you know, We've heard his testimony. We think some of what he said is good. Some things we're not so sure about. Based on what you have gleaned so far, do you think Mr. Werfel understands generally what IRS is dealing with right now, particularly the employees? I think that's a very good phrasing. Generally, I think he does. Um, I don't think that anybody, uh, until they get in this and can see it day to day, can you know, understand the huge impact right now of things that are going on. But I think overall, he's got a good idea. He's been briefed extensively. Um, you know, he's got his own ideas on how he wants to move forward. And hopefully those will mesh with, um, you know, making sure that the employees are the most valued part, because without us, nothing is going to happen. Well, maybe we should, uh, once he's confirmed, uh, invite the uh, IRS commissioner to come our, on our podcast. That would be a wonderful idea. I'm sure that uh, the folks in 1111 would jump at that opportunity to have him on here. Well, you know, I, I know a few people who work in the National Office of Media Relations. Maybe <laughs> maybe I should shake a, a – oh, no, I don't think that would happen. Well, maybe we could get – I was going to say, go right – you go right ahead. Yeah, <laughs> let them know that and let's see what the reaction is. Well, how about we propose this? Let's propose to have Tony Reardon and uh, Commissioner Werfel, once he is commissioner, on together. Maybe we could work out a deal like that. Uh, I am sure that uh, Tony Reardon would be absolutely up for that, and hopefully 
uh, Commissioner Designate Werfel would be as well. Well, we'll have to work on that, right? Once he's once he's in office, we'll we'll work on it. We, you know, but you know, remember Duncan in the early days of our podcast, we used to joke about getting a management official on. We actually got one on once. Yep, and you know that's the thing. It's it's so funny that. You know, the management officials that I've talked to, the executives, are like, oh, yeah, we enjoy the podcast. Oh, God, no, I wouldn't want to be on because they're so scared that they're going to ruin their reputation. By answering questions honestly, it's not like we're 60 minutes, but we do ask questions that we think deserve an answer. And, you know, the executive that we did have on, Andy Reitmeyer, absolutely gave us honest answers to, you know, the questions that we asked. Yeah, of course, he left the service shortly after that. I'm sure that had nothing to do with it, right? Well, he's he's over in uh, he's over in CI now. Okay. Well, he, well, I say the agency. I'm at the part that we yeah. deal with. Okay, should have been more specific. He's still with IRS, but uh, no, I think that uh, I understand what you're saying. But it's 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 like you know we haven't exactly abused people who are managed, but we try to treat them respectfully when they come on, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't think uh, we may not be sixty minutes. Maybe we're thirty five minutes. We'll see. <laughs> Um, well, let me put it. Let me just put it this way: for any executive that's listening or catches wind of this, as long as you're telling the truth and being transparent, there's nothing to worry about. Maybe they're just afraid of you. They don't really know me that well, do they? <laughs> <laughs> they know what they hear on the podcast. I mean, a very I've I've had very few interactions with uh, executives that are probably you know I've spent eleven years since I mean I was a manager for six years the last six years at the service. I mean I've been gone for what. 12 years, 11, 12 years now, there's nobody there left that remembers me anyway. <laughs> You've been around for a while, so they know who you are. All right, I should, I should continue on here. Um, we talked about, you talked about the funding issue. The Inflation Reduction Act gave uh, IRS a huge boost in funding over a 10-year period to try to modernize our technology, to try to... Uh, bring the, uh, the staffing back up to where it's been because uh, of all the retirements and, and, and the budgets that have been lower than the normal in recent years. Um, yet, uh, what we're seeing now is that now that people in Congress who don't particularly like IRS or like to use IRS as a campaign issue or just an issue in general to bash government, uh, some of them realize they're not going to be able to to have enough votes in the House and Senate and getting past the president to uh, to actually take away that funding in the Redu Inflation Reduction Act. So now they're taking a new tack. They're trying to d drastically reduce our annual budget instead. So what's going on with all this? I'm hearing all these rumors and, and, and I've heard all, all these stories of things that might happen. What do we know for sure right now? Yeah, that's going to be very interesting, Larry. The uh there's a lot of swirling right now talking about, well, they've gotten this much funding for the next, you know, eight or nine years. Let's go ahead and see if we can reduce their annual appropriations, which is the exact wrong tack to take, as we both know. Um, you know, I can tell you that NTU National is looking at this very closely and working with our friends on the Hill to make sure some things of this like this never happen. Uh, we've heard from the president who has said that he is not interested in reducing our budget. And, you know, why would you want to not improve our technology? Why would you not want to make sure that we have enough people answering the phones? Why would you not want to make sure that we have enough people in taxpayer advocate that can handle taxpayers' questions? You know, this is not the 
you know, 72,000 revenue agents who are going to burst down your door. That's always been a myth and an extremely irritating one. Uh, we just want to have the funding and the technology to be able to get that to help the American people. That's what we're here for, to help the American people. And for those um, representatives and senators who seem to not want us to do that, I absolutely wonder why. Well, it comes back to something I've said many times. We have so many people in the Congress who believe we should enforce the law, except the tax laws. Now explain that to me. <laughs> that That's always bewildered me just a little bit. So I guess the main point we want to get across to people, and, you know, if we had a legislative committee, we could be talking to our members of Congress in Indiana and our senators about this, and I'm sure this happens throughout the country with their own chapters, that uh, this is a threat. I mean, uh, uh, Congress is a contentious place. Each body is, is, uh, is, 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 there's no overwhelming majority in either body. You know, the House has got a bare Republican majority. The Senate has a bare Democrat majority. So uh, it's, it's always going to be a contentious issue about how much money we get to do what we need to do. So um, I, anything you want to add to this, or have we pretty much uh, covered this issue? I, I think you've covered it well. Well, let's talk about something else. There's some, you know, I've been a, an NTU rep going all the way back to 1988, I think it was, when I first joined Chapter 49 as a steward, 88 or 89. So I've been, in one way or another, had some connection with NTEU for a long time. Even as a manager, you know, you deal with NTEU, so I never really get away from it. But one passage that has been in that contract for a very long time, going back to, I think, the early 1980s, is that all IRS employees are entitled to be treated with respect, dignity and respect, as I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that's the term that's actually been in that contract, and it's never been taken out. And I think it's always good to remind people, especially when we're in the tax filing season, where People in, in, in toll-free, the, the accounts management part, there's a lot of pressure. And there are pressures in other parts of the service for other reasons. Like, you know, you've got uh, statutes that are going to be coming up in examination, for instance, and sometimes in collection. So there are always times when the work is difficult. It's uh, stressful to everybody. Uh, I think there are some things you'd like to say about how respect goes both ways when managers and employees are dealing with each other. Yeah, all employees, whether they're bargaining unit or non-bargaining unit, should be treating each other in a courteous and business-like fashion. And I implore any employee that has a manager or management official that is not doing that, that's yelling at them or things of that nature, not to go down to their le that level. Make notes. Stop. We'll stop the meeting. Basically saying I'm feeling that this is not being held in a courteous and businesslike manner. The way you're treating me. If they're shouting, because um, you do not want to shout back at them. You know, stop any and then go back to your desk. Write it up. Write up any notes of what happened at the meeting. Raised voices. If you know, if curse words were uttered, anything of that nature. And, you know, were there any witnesses? Did anybody hear this? And then let your chapter know so we can take appropriate action. Because there's no excuse for people yelling and screaming at each other. Uh, our jobs are tough enough. 
we don't we don't need that type of thing. So everybody should be treating each other in a courteous and businesslike manner. And I can tell you that when executives hear about managers not doing that, they're not happy uh, because they know how much trouble that causes in a uh, in a group. And so they want to make sure that, like I say, they want to make sure the contracts adhere to as much as I do, that everybody's treated in a courteous and businesslike manner. And if they're not, it needs to be addressed immediately. Well, no question. You shouldn't be yelling or screaming and you know, raising your voice or anything like that either side. But one thing I want to mention, Duncan, you can be discourteous and you can lack dignity even if you're not yelling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I mentioned, you know, certain wordings, things of that nature. If somebody is, um, you know, it, it, it's almost like, you know, you want to make sure um, – it's the old Justice Fortis. I'm not sure what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. I'm not sure what, you know, the exact definition of courteous and businesslike is, but I know it when I see it when it's not. And it's uh, it's one of those things that you want to make sure just, you know, don't don't let somebody blow your cool. That's that's the best thing to uh, say. You know, don't say anything in haste that you might regret later because, you you know, as an employee, you don't want to get caught in a trap where the somebody's going to turn around on you. So always try and just be respectful. Don't shout. Don't talk back. Don't smart back. Anything of that nature. Be respectful. And if somebody's disrespectful to you, like I said, write up those notes later. Um, take a look and see if there was anybody that might have witnessed that. So because that's always a very powerful tool that we have uh, instead of, you know, this person said this and this person said that. If there are third parties who were not involved in that, that is absolutely helpful in uh, making sure that this situation gets corrected. And if you think that relationship is deteriorated in the ways you've mentioned, Duncan, uh, get in touch with your local chapter. They'll give you advice because they know some of the things that are going. You may not be the first person that's been treated disrespectfully by that management official. So. Uh, make sure you, as you said, if you have witnesses, let let those you know bring those in. And if if you are just one on one, always have a sheet of paper, pad of paper with you when you meet with your manager. Make careful notes about what was said and how it was said, and sign and date that. That's always important to have. So, respect it goes both ways. We want a respectful workplace. You know, as a manager, I worked very hard to make sure I had an atmosphere for my employees where they never felt intimidated or. Uh, abused or anything like that. That's what managers should be doing. And uh, NTU has worked very hard as far back as I can remember to uh, bring about that kind of a workplace. Yeah. And that is the rule. I do want to make that point. That is the rule. The uh, bad interactions, the shouting, the yelling, cursing, or talking very badly to somebody is the exception, not the rule. So I do want to do that. And I commend you know, managers and employees who are doing things the right way and just continue that. For those that are not, please modify your hate behavior so you are talking in a courteous and businesslike manner. It's not difficult. Yeah, my 28-year IRS career, I would have to say that is the exception, not the rule. But when it happens, it's, it's, it's <laughs> you know it. But uh, thankfully, most of these, these interact, even if you have a disagreement with your manager, it's always in a business-like manner. And I think that's the way it should be, not always. but it, And I think that's the general way it's handled. So let's try, if, if you don't think it's going that way, talk to your local chapter. If you're in Indiana, check with Duncan Giles. He'll uh, try to figure out what's going on and help you out with that. 
Duncan, I just uh, was looking at the Washington Post before we recorded this on their website. They had a headline in their March 3rd. Again, this was March 3rd was posted. The headline says, IRS braces for the unthinkable, a normal tax season. Now, because I'm not sure how you define a normal tax season. I don't think I've ever had one, but they list that's that's their story and they're sticking to it. Uh, the story does talk about many things IRS has done well. The, the paper backlog, which you know the employees certainly should uh, get plenty of credit for that, and I would give some management officials some kudos for for handling it well. Uh, but there was one thing that was uh, that was listed in that story. The IRS has told the Washington Post that the service is making this claim that ninety percent of the phone calls are being answered. First of all, do you think that is true? And if so, what do we need to know about that 90% number? I'm sure it was true. Early in January, when nobody was calling in and the phones were staffed, I'm sure we were getting a 90% hit. We're not getting anywhere close to a 90% hit. That's not happening. Um, it has improved over the last couple of years, which you know it couldn't really have gone worse than that. We have had a lot of hiring now. My question has been to, uh, you know, folks in high up in WNI, and I still haven't gotten an answer to this, is, okay, what percentage of these calls that, you know, we're taking these higher percentage, what are answered by chatbots? Are we actually having people answering? Are, are these humans answering these things, or are they chatbots? Uh, because this is becoming very prevalent in a lot of, uh, in a lot of, organizations. And I do believe the IRS is rolling out more and more of this. So I'm not sure. Are we talking about, okay, what percentage of people that are getting through are talking to a human being and what are getting through to talking to a computer? How are we, you know, how are you taking a look at that? So there are a lot of different moving parts. The, the main thing is, are taxpayers getting better answers than they were or more answers than they were a year ago? The answer to that is yes. Is the service um, where it needs to be at this point? Of course it isn't. Um, it's still going to be evolving. We're still hiring more folks. It's it's absolutely getting better, and I do give management credit. You talked about the surge. You know, the surge could have been handled a whole lot better if they'd have come to NTU at the beginning instead of, uh, you know, right before they did it. If they'd have come to us several months before, we could have worked it out, and it would have been much, much smoother. But we have knocked down a lot of that paper inventory, the vast majority. More phone calls are being answered. Um, but to get it to the level where they are saying it's 90 percent, uh, like I said, yeah, the first couple of days of the filing season where you know you couldn't even file yet and there were a lot of people on the phones and not that many people calling in, sure, we took 90 percent of the calls. Um, but that's a pretty disingenuous answer to me. You know, Duncan, when you talk about the bots, this chat GPT type thing, I guess Microsoft has a version of that. And I can't remember if it was in the New York Times or the Washington Post where uh, they assigned a reporter to have a conversation with this Microsoft version of it. And did you read about this? The, 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 the Microsoft version had an emotional breakdown during the conversation and said it, it didn't want to live. I, I'm telling you, there it's, it's extremely difficult at this point where it's, Okay, or am I talking to a human or a computer? Because as you said, 
the way that these things are learning and evolving. Um, and I'm not sure if it's the programmers evolving or if it's the AI that it is. Um, you know, I'm not talking Skynet. I'm just talking, you know, better, uh, you know, better ways of helping and dealing with people. So it's it's an interesting situation that's occurred. But there's always going to be, to me, the need for um, we do need better technology. We do need taxpayers to have better access to their own records uh, that they can access themselves without having to call us. But there there's always going to be a need, I believe, for uh for the humans to be able to handle some of these complex and quirky situations that an AI may not just get the, uh, get all the twists that are in there. I just have one final comment and this has to do with a story that I I picked up, uh, just really not long before we record this Amazon. I don't know if you remember this, there was a huge, huge, RFP put out, request for proposals for a second headquarters for Amazon. It was going to be this gigantic economic development project. Every place in the country wanted it. A couple, three places in Indiana put in for it and uh, ended up, uh, they were going to have two, they ended up with one. New York City had, had been granted one and the neighbors didn't want it, so Amazon just pulled out of that. There is one in Virginia being built near Washington, D.C. It's in the D.C. metro area. But Amazon, during the construction of this headquarters building, which a complex of buildings, which was originally designed to handle 25,000 employees, Amazon is deciding maybe they're not going to construct it as large a facility as they thought because remote work is now impacting the amount of space that they need. And my question to you, Duncan, as kind of my final comment and your reaction uh, is the government getting the message that remote work is here to stay? Because there seem seems to be some, there seem to be some people in the service and some people in Congress that want to bring all the employees back in, and maybe, just maybe, that's not the best thing to do for everyone. Yeah, it's one of those things when you're talking about retention and recruitment of people. Remote work is very very high up on the list. People want to work remotely. And to their credit, as a whole, not everyone, but as a whole, the IRS has been backing that and looking for different ways to try and do this. You know, it's it, we have it stated in the contract, and we're even looking at other things to go beyond that. So I do give the IRS credit. that They're under some tremendous pressure from folks in Congress who do want to bring um, people back to the office, but I think that's a thing of the past, not a thing of the future. So, Duncan, uh, do you have a final comment for this podcast? I, I do. Today, is uh, I found out when I got a couple of emails, Employee Appreciation Day. Um, you know, I saw one from the acting commissioner and uh, deputy, and I've seen one from the uh, business units. And, you know, I, I'm very glad that they are recognizing employees on Employee Appreciation Day. It saddens me that there is an Employee Appreciation Day because I think there should be Employee Appreciation Day every day. You know, we're the folks who do the work. You know, they. Sh- I, I've said it several times on this podcast, and I believe it with my heart and soul, that the folks at the IRS overall do an absolutely fantastic job of busting their butts and getting things done. And they're doing it not for not for the cash, 
not for the glory, but to help the American people. And so they should be appreciated for the work that they do every day. And, you know, I, I would hope that, you know, they would expand on this concept a little bit more rather than just make it one day and say, okay, I've checked a box. This needs to be an everyday thing for all levels of management to appreciate the folks that do the work. And Duncan, as you know, NTEU appreciates all the employees of IRS every single day. So Duncan, thank you very much uh, for joining us as always. We want to, again, thank you for giving us some of your time today. We try not to go too long. Today we were a little over 30 minutes. We try to keep our podcast pretty close to that. If you like the podcast, let people know. Uh, You can always get a link to our video and audio versions by sending an email to Duncan Giles. Send the email to nteu49 at aol.com. Duncan and I do this podcast every week or most weeks because we know from feedback we receive that we provide information that we think uh, you think is important to you and we think it, 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 it helps you. And if you have any suggestions, use that email address to give us any ideas for what to talk about here. In the, we- in the meantime, please be safe and be kind.